1: that it is the minority who can move the needle. So you just have to be strategic about where you become that minority. And in the meantime, we need people to throw bombs on social media, metaphorical bombs, and uh, and mess things up, you know? Like, you, you need to shake people out of their comfort zone sometimes. It's gotta happen. And you need to egg on the GOP when they say that they wanna abolish the FBI, and you need to remind them of that shit when a month or two later, they kind of cool down and they're like, oh, was just being emotional. I was on my period, you know? I'm like, well, you know. Stay on your period. (laughs) Yes, stay on your period. I hope you have the worst PMS for the rest of your political life. Like you should be pissed off.
2: What is up everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty and physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy.
3: Man, I'm doing as good as anyone can do getting buried by his 13-year-old son on leg day.
0: (laughs) I'm not going to apologize for not being on this podcast because I got to go see Metallica, so... If that's a problem, kiss my ass. All right.
1: (laughs) right, This meeting is being recorded
0: whoa
2: (laughs) we came to destroy zionists and neocons today and by golly die assemble a fucking panel to do it i am very very excited for today's show the first one i did did really well um for both um conversations and i'm sure this one will be absolutely no different so um real quick we'll go around and everybody can give a brief introduction to their thoughts on the Republican Party, and we'll kind of dive into some uh, content here. Um, the main reason why I brought Shane on is I feel like he has a little bit more of a uh, background and context to this whole situation. So uh, Shane, go ahead, uh, kind of give yourself a uh, introduction with the uh, Republican Party and where you're at now.
0: Hey everybody, I'm Shane Hazel. Uh, I love the Republican Party so much I left it after running for U.S. Congress in 2018 um was a libertarian was trying to do some things and saw behind the the scenes and couldn't get out of there fast enough so um been been around done some things ran for congress and senate and now governor and all that fun stuff so yeah try to trying to move needles a little bit and and at least win people to the irate minority
2: Mm -hmm. nice uh angela uh you were on the uh, last one so um you know feel free to give whatever introduction you feel necessary
1: Sure. So I am the chair of the National Libertarian Party. I am. I am here to advocate for the LP. Clown knows or not, uh, we're going to talk about why I think it is the best path forward for people who are genuinely passionate about liberty.
2: Nice. And uh, Reed, uh, kind of same nod to you. You kind of had a uh, interesting path because you had uh, worked on Tulsi Gabbard's campaign, and then, um, you know, obviously you and I talk about strategy stuff all the time and uh, how ridiculous some of the boomer cons and uh conservatives are so uh go ahead uh whatever you feel is necessary to add to the conversation
3: yeah i mean i was a republican uh forever uh and then i voted for tulsi gabbard as a democrat uh and (laughs) like all the time in the republican party realized what a clown show it was and then the very short stint uh two minutes as a democrat just to vote for tulsi and then re-register as an independent on the way out of the polls Uh, I realized what a clown show that was too. So yeah, I'm planning on being a libertarian for the foreseeable future. Um, I'm sure we'll get into specifics. I'm actually voting in a Republican primary uh, next Tuesday. So I'm certainly not opposed to being involved with both, but I like the idea of having a staunch, strong libertarian party to basically show the Republicans how much they suck and how much better they should be.
2: No, I, I absolutely love that. And I agree 100%. And, um, To give a little bit of my bias as well is that I am a little bit more biased towards the LP and some days I feel a little less so some days I feel a little bit more so today I'm definitely feeling more so biased (laughs) towards uh, my fellow libertarians here. Um, So I guess I also want to start off with giving perhaps the devil its due so as we see the MAGA populist right kind of coming to rise there's a lot of good stuff a lot of common ground that they have with us and especially after we saw this real creepy speech that biden gave with this odd red back Trump, um he made it very very clear that he has a severe disdain for what's probably a third of the population who shares a lot of common ground with us and i think it was justin o'donnell who said that uh um the fact that it wasn't libertarians who were called out in that speech means that we're not going hard enough or it might have been you read i know it was somebody from new hampshire if i remember correctly but uh
3: I'm not on Twitter. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, So It would have been LP New Hampshire or Justin O'Donnell.
2: Yeah, it it was someone along those lines. So um, uh, Shane, perhaps you could speak to this as well because um, you're down in Georgia with somebody who a lot of libertarians like, Marjorie Taylor Greene. But um, we're going to criticize her a little bit in this because I have a clip that I wanted to share with you guys. So um, I guess real quick, Shane, give the devil its due in wherever you see fit in uh, your mind
0: for uh for mtg down here yeah i'll do that i I think there's a pretty interesting distinction these days between the gop and MAGA, which is kind of you know i I think they're i think they're splitting right and and it's a lot of what i think is just youth and you know this uh american indoctrinated patriotism which you know i come from that like i like Man, there was a time when you rolled around in the glittery, like, red, white, and blue stuff, and you're like, oh, yeah, this, this feels really good. I love this country. We do. know, Like, that is a – like, there's an indoctrination. And I, you know, I, I try to give people an out so that they can find a, a a way into something different because that's that's what I had to have. I had to have that way out. So, man, I don't know. Like, people like MTG and, and, a, and a lot of people down here um, that will simp. For, you know, guys like Donald Trump, who's like a red flag guy, who is a domestic spying apparatus guy. He is a huge spender. You know, he had a better foreign policy than, you know, the the people, you know, the the tyrants and and mask, you know, serial killers before him. But like the the GOP is really kind of just neutered itself in terms of being able to stand up and be like hey you know we're for the little guy we are for your rights we're for you know and, and not just all, some of the rights like all of your rights like especially now that you know the the maga crowd has put guns on the the chopping block and and made concessions for you know, red flag laws, it's, I mean, not only, you know, the ATF and bump stocks, and you just see that if Republicans are supporting all these kind of things, it, you've, you've turned a corner. You've, you've, the, the MAGA crowd is more of what we consider down here as like blue dog Democrats used to be. And that Trump is a no kidding New York Democrat. And that's become extremely palatable for most of the, I don't know, very boisterous, quote unquote, part of the Republican Party, which I don't know, man, like it's, there's something I like better about those people than the people that run the GOP, for God's sakes. And it's it's because I think of, it's unintentional. I think it's this indoctrination and wanting to be right, you know, and like, wanting to be American. And it's, that's, I think, what's been perverted by like Trump and MAGA. I'm not, you know, they're not domestic terrorists or anything like that. But for God's sakes, like, Um, the the compromise that so many people have made that, you know, talk about being just diehard rights and American and constitution and, you know, nationalists, like, nah, it's, it's gotten so perverted and bastardized, you know, I don't recognize them.
2: Right. And I agree with a lot of that. And it is kind of sad. And I've pointed this out before, but um, I'm not for, um, Trump for the reasons that the news would lay out. I'm against Trump because he wasn't a representation of Uh-oh. what libertarianism is.
0: Uh-oh. He's against Trump for. Fill it in, Reid.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <he does. laughs>
1: You're back. He froze. Oh, we no. We lost
3: you. The Mossad got you there for a second. He literally no. said,
1: I'm against Trump for. And then it went. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: of course. Of course. I, I normally only connect my internet to my phone. Oh, man. How, how fucking terrible. But um, basically, I don't like Trump because people feel like they're getting libertarianism brought to them on a silver platter, but then you get bailouts, you get more drone strikes, you get all this awfulness bagged in this kind of freedom-esque. And it's really taking advantage of people who think they're doing the right thing and think they're supporting the right thing, but... Um, once again, you see behind the curtain, if you just look at things objectively, not just through this rosy-eyed lens of, oh, I love Trump, um, you kind of see that you're not getting what's being sold to you. Um, yeah. So, Angela, um, anything to add there and where you feel like you can give the devil its due when it comes to the MAGA populist right?
1: I mean, that was sort of, you know, in, in 2016, that was, that was the thing that we were all, as a libertarian, you know, you're watching and you're... Man, there's like i don't even know how to break this down because i'm so I'm, I'm reeing on the inside i'm screaming at the sun um so we're watching the whole thing go down from a libertarian perspective right We see gary johnson numbers go up and i'm like mm, gary johnson johnson wasn't that impressive but his numbers are impressive for someone who wasn't very impressive not bad not bad and we're all thinking hillary clinton's gonna win because that's just the way that it works and that sucks and then I get home from work and I just like laughing hysterically because I had, I was like, I can't watch the news. I can't watch Hillary Clinton, you know, with her kill list and whatnot become the next president. And then we're just laughing hysterically as like the, the world's, maybe the world's greatest internet troll becomes becomes our president. Um, and then we're all thinking like, maybe it won't be that bad, okay? So like, I don't agree with him on the border wall. I don't know about some of the foreign policy stuff he's saying, but some of it's pretty fire saying he's gonna bring the troops home ending wars, audit the Fed. This doesn't get talked about enough. He said he was gonna audit the Fed within a, his first hundred days. That to me was huge. And it didn't happen. And it's like, ugh, you know, go ahead. And then drone strikes to Syria. And at that point, every libertarian who bought in the GOP should have been like, all right, I'm out. I'm out, at least on the presidential level. You, you just need to know, like, this is like an abusive relationship. And uh, your your boyfriend or your your girlfriend I don't know everybody's you know got a different term for what they are now uh, you know beating the crap out of you every week and uh, and you're like he can change he she can change Z can change Z is not gonna change Z is gonna keep beating the crap out of you and that was the vibe that I got from Donald Trump kind of the whole time kind of the whole time and I see people like Marjorie Taylor Greene and a lot of other uh, MAGA Republicans they say a lot of things that I really like, but then when I kind of dig a little bit deeper, there's no ideological base. There's no ideological cohesion. And it's like, when you really boil it down to what their values are, it's flag, eagle, America. Those are not policy positions. Those are like, you know, gifs and memes that we look up on the internet. and that's the sort of stuff that really frustrates me is because I can't point to ideological consistency. Okay. So no war over here. Great. And then it's like, Oh, but Taiwan or, Oh, China. And I'm like, no, no, I don't understand where you're coming from. It's, it's schizophrenic. It's schizophrenic to me.
2: Uh, Reed, same question to you. Any uh, thoughts
3: about MAGA still, or yeah. Yeah. Um, I think they're actually, I think it's actually been more detrimental than helpful. Like I know a lot of people have said that they think MAGA has made the Republicans more anti-war. I think MAGA has made the Republicans think that they're anti-war while not really evolving a lot on the issue. They've just Mm -hmm. switched their targets. So maybe some of them are over most of the terror war, unless it's Iran, but like Angela said, they're ready to go to war for Taiwan. Um, and they were, I mean, they were ready to go to war with Iran two years ago. No one's going to convince me any different of that. Like the only reason we didn't go to war with Iran is because of how the Iranians reacted to the situation. Um, they're worse on economics than they ever used to be. You know, like I feel like Ten years ago, the Republicans were way better on economics. It just seemed like they actually did want to balance the budget, actually did want to bring spending down. The They're completely party. out to lunch on it now. Like um, in 2020, they were arguing over who could get the biggest stimulus bill passed, you know, and you know who was the coolest by how much money was in their bill or whatever. Um, maybe they've gotten a little bit better on the cops. Maybe I, I'm not convinced it's a systemic change yet, I'm not but, uh, you know, a little bit here and there, they're better on drugs than, well, they were, but then Trump just did the <laughs> speech about how we're going to execute drug dealers. So I don't know. I'm not convinced that this has been an improvement. Like I think, <laughs> you know, Republicans that I know personally are more open to libertarian ideas than they have been in the past. Uh, so Republican New Hampshire people who know me and listen to my show, like they're very um, open to the message. But as far as like the MAGA movement, like not saying every person in that movement is that way, but like the, the core tenets of that movement, I don't think are an improvement from where we've been. They're just a kind of a bait and switch and move us on to it. different targets with all the same issues.
2: All right guys um I'm absolutely thrilled with the uh, show's new sponsor um I am now sponsored and uh, have an affiliate through LMNT electrolytes um I've used these electrolytes for years um back when I used to do a lot of fasting in fact I used to drink sometimes I want to say up to 7 a day 7 little packets so um the packets are full of all the electrolytes that you need to perform and hydrate yourself properly um You need sodium for pretty much every single function in your body, despite what um, a lot of people may tell you. um, Sodium doesn't actually cause a lot of the issues that uh, people kind of would have you believe. So um, just real quick to give you a little bit of facts. Um, You don't need sugar to hydrate. Electrolytes and water don't require glucose to pass through the gut. The average American consumes over 60 pounds of sugar a year. And um, when it comes to athletic performance, um, you can actually lose up to seven grams per day in hot climate. So uh, make sure you click on the affiliate link below to get all your hydration needs. And like I said, I'm super stoked to have these guys um, teamed up with the podcast and uh, just make sure you get your uh, electrolytes through Element. All right, guys, thanks. Yeah, I definitely think that sums it up relatively well. Um, did anyone have anything to add to what Reid just said?
0: I was gonna say at the end is, you know, like they've, they're have fairly, fairly better on a few things right up until it's time to vote, right? right? And then, oh, this is too important. You got to vote for the yeah. Republican. And you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? Well,
2: yeah, so my whole point to a lot of people now is that they're still saying, oh, you have to support Trump. And look, I wouldn't be opposed to voting for a Republican if it was like Rand Paul or Thomas Massey. But the problem is is that they're not willing to say, like, holy fuck, Trump really let us down. Like Angela right. said, audit the Fed, um, bring all the troops home, do all this stuff. He he literally did nothing that he said he was going to do, but people are still like, oh, no, no, no. He woke so many people up. Yeah, but... Once again, if you poke and prod a lot of these people who claim to be anti-war now, they they don't really have, like Angel said, any kind of grounding in this. They don't have a principle that they're kind of adhering to. It's just because they heard the orange man say on the TV that war bad, at least these wars are bad, so we can, cool. uh, you know, just go for whatever here.
0: And, and for everybody that's like, he's a, you know, he's this alpha guy, you know, how he went in and sat with Putin and his legs, you know, like just the body language and all this kind of stuff. For a guy that's supposed to be an alpha and a businessman and somebody that's, you know, like, you know, real brass knuckles and bullshit, you're, he he really kind of came off as a beta cuck because you're the president of the United States of America. You have the entire military, the DOJ, the entire executive at your disposal if you will install the right people or get rid of them, you know, all together. But like, man, none of that stuff happened.
1: So we need the mystery method for presidents.
0: Never happened. Never did anything following up. No, poor me, I'm the president. Like, do something, man.
1: It's it was it was really disappointing, but I feel the reason that it was so disappointing is because we were looking at it through the framework of like a liberty-leaning Republican. And the reality is he was a New York centrist Democrat, much more like Bill Clinton. Uh, I, I don't know. maybe Clinton even had better fiscal policies and he went really hard on welfare. I don't want to say anything nice about the Clintons, which really tells me like that maybe we're we're riding Trump's uh, piece a little too hard, you know yeah. in Plus. as a reaction. That's what I think and and I think also, by the way, i I'm noticing the the framework of this conversation is really at the federal level, mm-hmm. which I think is worth noting.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, we've also talked about DeSantis a little bit on the last episode, but um, I kind of want to get you guys' thoughts on that. And then I have a couple of bookmarked tweets and clips I want to pull up to kind of pull the wool off of people's eyes when it comes to the uh, MAGA Republicans and being anti-war, at least, you know, anti-war with China and some of the other stuff there. So DeSantis, I, I get why people like him because he's really good at beating back the media and playing the left's game better than they can play it against him. But I think a lot of people are kind of making a similar mistake to Trump where they're looking past all the authoritarianism and just seeing the good stuff where you should really look at it in its full context. Like, OK, he's good as governor, but what does he look like as president? So I actually want to throw this one off to read first, because I think he's put this beautifully many, many times.
3: Yeah, well, I don't think Ron DeSantis is actually anti-establishment, I think that he waits until it's politically advantageous to make moves. So, um, you know, Rand Paul was against the COVID tyranny from the beginning, and he was a villain for, like, a whole year, basically. And then DeSantis didn't really come out strong against COVID until, like, almost 2021, I think. It was quite a – I realized he, like, overturned some of the stuff he had initially signed – In Florida, but he didn't become like a strong opposition leader against everything until a few months later. Um, And that aside, everything when it comes to the, uh, you know, the Oval Office or the executive branch, he'd be absolutely awful on. And we know that because he was in Congress for, um, what was it, eight years? I think it was 2010 to 2018. Um, and not did he just vote for really bad stuff, he wrote a lot of really awful bills. I've written a Substack piece about this. It's called DeSantis, the Rights Obama. And I linked, uh, you know, I linked his voting history in the house when he was in there. And it's all the bills that he sponsored. And they're like bills to go after terrorists around the world, bills to make Israel, uh, make Jerusalem the capital of Israel, and like all, all this shit. Like it's awful. And, um, you know, I, I think he's very similar to Obama. He was kind of good on one really important issue, just like Obama was. Obama was kind of good on the Iraq War, which was a really important issue. But if you opened up Obama's record, even at the time, you could tell that he wasn't going to be a staunch anti-war or civil liberties advocate. The exact same true is of um, the exact same is true of DeSantis. But I think DeSantis's record is worse than Obama's was when he was still in the Senate. Like there's, we don't want to be anywhere near this guy. We don't want him anywhere near the white house. Um, and I think, you know, no matter who we get, they're going to suck. Right. If we get Biden again, he's going to suck. If they run some other Democrat, it's going to suck. If it's Trump, it's going to suck. If it's DeSantis, it's going to suck. So I, I get that no matter who we get, you get John McCain, as uh, I think Tom Wood says that, but, um, DeSantis will make people believe in the empire again, which is the dangerous thing. Like right now, people don't believe in the empire with Joe Biden as president with the pullout from Afghanistan that had really bad optics. um, The obvious incompetency coming from the Oval Office. No one thinks like, ha ha you know, we got this, let's go take on Iran right now. You know, it's kind of like, mm, maybe we should kind of re, uh, reassess some of this. We're not doing well economically. If you get DeSantis in there, you know, with his brash uh, military um, experience and, you know, his charisma and everything, I think he's going to reinstill that belief that America is the top dog and that we need to show the world we mean business. And I think that'll be really bad. So I would actually prefer Trump to Desantis as president, because Trump, first of all, is more of a disaster. You know, he's just he's not, he can't keep things together, and then he's also a completely self-obsessed megalomaniac. Where, uh, you know, he the only thing he believes in is himself, and the only thing he cares about is himself. Where I don't think that's true of Desantis. I think Desantis really cares. Uh, I think uh, you know about neoconservative values. I think he really is a Zionist and really wants to boost the military industrial complex and really thinks we need a stronger national security state. I think he really sincerely believes all those things and he'll do what he can to do those things where Trump, I think there's more potential for him to be hijacked against those things because he only cares about himself. So if you like, I mean, we saw this after he left office, uh, At the end of 2020, Netanyahu congratulated Biden for winning the race. And then this article came out several months ago where Trump was saying like, oh, yeah, fuck Israel. I hated those guys like they never did it. And so if uh, Mohammed bin Salman of Saudi Arabia did something similar like that to Trump, maybe Trump would be like, yeah, you know, screw the Saudis. I don't really want to do anything with them anymore. They're really bad to the Houthis. Or you know um, he hates John Bolton now, like he hates all these people who do something to him that he doesn't like. So in my mind, it's more likely that he could be weaponized than Desantis. I don't. I think Desantis is going to play along with whatever the neocons want, and it's truly what he believes in anyway. <laughs> yeah, I if, agree.
2: Oh,
1: sorry. If okay. Trump's not in jail, so <laughs> yeah. Question, question, question for Reid: Do you think Desantis' foreign policy has improved? Or gotten worse being governor, even if it's just incremental in one direction or the other. What do you what do you think?
3: Well, he was pretty bad on Cuba last year. Sure. Um and like even on the Ukraine war, he didn't say a lot about it, which was a smart move on his part. But the very little he did say about it was we need to make Putin hurt at the gas pump. Um so <laughs> which we need to... to
1: hurt ourselves at the gas yeah. pump. Yeah.
3: yeah. So like I, I don't think he's I don't think he's improved at all. Okay. Um yeah. If you so. look
2: at his uh voting record, as Reed kind of alluded to, it is literally abysmal on all you know, the Fourth Amendment, all foreign policy, drone strikes, you name it. I mean, he is a you know, toe the line freaking neocon. And like Reed said, he has the charisma to make people believe in the Empire again, right? It's not gonna be make America great again, it's gonna be make the America the great empire again and i really see that being the case for desantis which is very 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 concerning and i I mean i watch his videos and some of the stuff he says and the way he is and it's hard not to think that he's convincing (laughs) and he means it and it's just very concerning because once again a lot of good libertarians and good people are going to get swept up in this and they're going to be made useful idiots for the regime
0: neocon
1: and maga clothing uh-huh.
0: yeah and to further your point and what's going to compound all of this is the the dollar is imploding right now right like it's not we're just spending too much like we we are printing fiat out in you know out of existence in and in, in I think a very controlled type of way right now to to absolutely demolish cash dollars as the reserve currency so that they can move into a central bank digital currency or central bank digital dollar, right? And here's the thing is, if you are the president of the United States, I think the banks, you know, like they did with Kennedy are going to make you heal one way or another. And if that is, you are now picking up the pieces of a absolutely wrecked economy since, you know, 2020. And I mean, that's, let's face it. I mean, th- this is a depression that started probably in 2019 when uh, we had Brexit and kind of was cloaked in 2020 COVID and, and pushed forward. And so when you see how the banks are going to, you know, self demo this thing and then start having people in those positions that are puppets like DeSantis or whoever the president's going to be. They're going to lean on that person and basically make them the person that has to accept CDBCs. And if this is the case, this is what I've been just kind of ripping about lately is now what you have is that thin blue line and the military that gets paid in CBDCs. And if that's the case, now what you have is an authoritarian front that's able to go into places, still make purchases, carry on with life and everything else. Whereas anybody who rejects this push into a central bank digital dollar by the the Fed or maybe it gets offloaded into the, you know, uh, the IMF where the mm-hmm. W wants it, right? Ugh. Because the, the narrative is going to be this. America as a reserve currency has screwed up and they have screwed up so big that they can never, ever be entrusted with the reserve currency of the world, no country can if America can't do it. So the the these the centralized power at the world level is going to have control over all currency forever and ever. Amen. And like DeSantis will be their boy.
2: Wow. Well, you know what? And to kind of tag on to your point here. Um, Trump has simped for the dollar for a long time, right? I mean, oh, yeah. you know, at first he said let's audit the Fed, but then all of a sudden he starts being very skeptical of Bitcoin, and then you know is promoting the dollar over that. So, what makes you think that Donald Trump wouldn't promote a CBDC if that kind of fell into his lap? I, I could totally see it. Well,
1: we could just blame the Democrats. So. <laughs> yeah right yeah kyle we had
3: the strongest economy in the history of the world two years ago and it's all been destroyed by biden don't you know
1: yeah that's i mean that's (laughs) that's the actual argument that circulates on a lot of conservative pundit sites and i don't i'm at a loss do people actually believe this or is it just like the the you know word version of passing around a goofy meme because it's like fun and relieves you of emotional pain. I, I don't know. I, I really don't know if they actually believe that and they just pretend that the trillions of dollars of money that just like evaporated during Donald Trump's presidency, like that just wasn't a thing. I, I yeah, honestly, yeah. oh, sorry, go
0: ahead. No, I, that's, it's all like, it's it's now and present, right? Like it, it's right now, it is in the news you were only paying a dollar 80 maybe depending on where you were for gas mm-hmm. like that translates across the board economically for everybody right and so everybody's like yeah i'm a democrat but man i don't think i can take this kind of stuff anymore whether it's republican or democrat like man they are they're going to be like nah they're like this is this is an economy that was all democratically controlled
1: memory of a goldfish
0: yeah
2: honestly i think yeah. that's what it is um, people literally just look right past the fact that they literally got handed what was it, almost four thousand dollars cash over the course of a you know a year, and then now all of a sudden the prices go up. And I, I think Reed and I had a conversation about this forever ago, but um it was literally almost like Donald Trump was set up to be the fall guy in the situation. And he skirted out right in the nick of time. Yeah. And then he caught, he caught none of the blame and all of it yep. should be on him. I sh- I'm sorry, not all of it, but a lot of it really should be on him because he was one hand. He was bragging about all the cash that he was handing people. And then literally everybody just forgets that. And then literally like, a month or two after all this happens we start getting inflation he's out of office and then you know joe biden for political expediency you know pushes the afghanistan withdrawal down the line and literally it all falls apart on biden's watch like i couldn't think of anything more genius than that that's that's literally you know um i was trying to think of an uh, a uh, innuendo but I, I it just escapes me right now but literally it was you know cut the cord and run and then you know watch the fucker blow
3: <laughs> yeah Dude. yeah it was uh like, everyone acting, I mean, I, I am so sick of the stolen election shit. Like, I mean, yeah, the Hunter Biden laptop story was definitely covered up, and there was lots of rigging to that, you know, to that measure, and the media definitely wanted Biden to win. But, I mean, if you're a Republican, you don't want Trump winning in 2020. You want him to lose. <laughs> like, if, if there was any, like, grand conspiracy, I would think it went the other way, because... Yeah, I mean, 100% everything was going to fall apart. I remember even thinking in uh, like October 2020, like, what is Trump going to do? How is he going to get out of this? Because if I were him, I would not want to win. But Trump doesn't like to lose. And then when the whole thing about like all the election was stolen started happening, I was like, ah, there it is. That's like the perfect excuse because then you can go kicking and screaming, acting like you won, but then you don't have to take any of the blame. This is my well, opinion but yeah
2: well to your point and i have brought this up to a lot of people no one seems to have an answer for it he raised 200 i think it was 240 or 250 million dollars to investigate um election integrity and fraud if you say the certain phrase then they'll ban the video um but oh well, he only spent 40 million of that 250 million on investigating the election what happened with the rest of that and why was nothing ever done about it? it? It it makes you question. And if you're a Republican, you know, supporter and you donated to that, you should be like, what the fuck did you do with all that? <laughs> like you literally handed everybody free money, they pretty much gave it back to you tenfold, and then you just ran. And now you're, you know, eating Big Macs in Mar-a-Lago, and people are still eating your shit up after the FBI raided your home, but like. If, well,
1: I, I mean, he's got to rebuy a lot of Melania's wardrobe since a lot of that shit was stolen, which is sad. Yeah. And as a woman, I'd be pissed if someone took my dresses. But um, yeah, I, I don't understand. Like the, like, the There's like, we got this long ass laundry list of things that are not exciting about Donald Trump. The mm-hmm. uh, things that are quite frightening about DeSantis and people are just standing for him so hard. Let me ask, does anybody know did ron desantis did he pass out the woke poke like uh like candy
2: uh he was very much for it yeah he uh he he was giving yeah he was giving speeches about it and saying uh you know in elderly homes about the availability of it lovely to to his credit though when it came to children he was firmly against that and obviously he was against mandates but um still kind of concerning nonetheless i don't know if you guys watched uh, the dave and sticks debate Uh, i i I found it interesting that sticks characterized trump's just saying oh hey here's the vaccine get it if you want it 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 was never that it was this is our greatest accomplishment and you shouldn't let the democrats take this away from us
1: operation warp speed i will say that although some of that stuff was not represented correctly sticks did a fantastic job in that debate Probably because some of that stuff was not represented correctly, but uh, he he worked that material really well.
2: Oh yeah, yeah no, I completely agree. So um, I wanted to pivot to something. I wanted to get some of you guys' reaction. I got some uh, bookmarked tweets and some other stuff that um I wanted to share. So this one went around on Twitter. Let me make sure I got the sound going on. Oh yeah saw this one okay yeah so
3: i mean um, i'm not on twitter so i didn't see it <laughs> yeah
2: uh, i shared this with shane i'm sure everybody saw it but uh th- these are the kind of republicans that were that are being put forth and our job honestly the most important job I do we would freeze if we get oh, no. we real things here okay but we need to focus the federal government on what matters mm, yeah. don't move
0: move
1: oh did i no,
2: of course
0: Wait, you, froze, yeah. <laughs> you froze
1: right when you were gonna take click it's oh of band. course it's it, Okay, we're ready. All right. Rock, rock and and our job,
2: honestly, the most important job I will have, if we get reelected, we got to do real things here, okay? But we need to focus the federal government on what matters. I don't, we don't need a military focused on the proper use of pronouns. We need a military focused on blowing up Chinese aircraft carriers. Okay?
3: Mm, great. I'd rather they focus on pronouns, to be honest.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right. But uh, the, the one thing that was important to take away from this clip wasn't necessarily the fact that he said that, although I'm not downplaying that at all.
0: Um, I mean, he's such a bitch and he said it, right? <laughs> well, yeah,
2: yeah. But um, the face oh, that oh. we're told is anti-war screamed and cheered yes. for this. Yes.
1: Applause. Lots right. of applause. Lots it, of applause.
2: And so I also bookmarked a lot of tweets. And it's funny how a lot of this stuff gets misrepresented um, this was concerning out of our lovely Marjorie Taylor Greene. No, not based Q, mommy.
3: Had my way, I would come down on China so hard. I would put tariffs back in place and they would be more strict than President Trump's because those tariffs work. I would kick out every single Chinese
2: in this country that is loyal to the CCP.
3: And they no, would so be if you, gone. If you I do one, not if, care if, who if they you,
0: are. If you sign one of those documents that says that yes, you're, you've you're got a gone, report.
2: Back to China. I don't
3: care how much money you have, how much land you own, how many businesses you own, how much money you've donated to colleges and universities? I don't care about who your kid is and how many how many students you've sent. So to Jack all Ma,
2: all these guys, all these people that. So there's that, um, mm. and I'll just run through these real quick, and then I want to get you guys' thoughts. Um, Anthony Sabatini, imagine being more concerned with Russia than China, March 20th, right as we were sending money and tons of funds into uh, Ukraine, right, escalating tensions with Russia. I will not like
1: him. Uh, no. So so
2: do I. No. Uh, Matt oh. Gates, Joe Biden wants to open America to China, but he opposes opening America for America. China first uh, because of China's global dominance and America last policies. Iran, Venezuela are all turned to China for collaboration. Biden is trying to force Americans to buy electric car, ignoring American energies, attacking U.S. energy and creating a crisis. <laughs> China controls the mineral supply. Um, Biden is China first. Just a lot of stuff of constant this um, kind of narrative that Biden is China first, but if you actually look objectively and you understand his policy with China, he's actually been much more hawkish than Trump. He never repealed the tariffs. Um we're sailing now more war or more warships through the Taiwanese strait than we ever were before. There's more congressional delegations and now we're arming Taiwan more than we were before. So this is starting to look a lot like the early 2000s and the Trump-Russia stuff as well, where we're being told that there's this enormous threat of China and all of these MAGA Republicans are just eating it up. And then on top of that, we're being told this is Beijing-Biden. And then we're going to remove Chinese people from this country. And that, I understand, That part's nuts. Right. That part was so, really
1: disturbing.
2: So when you say you want to remove people who are loyal to the CCP, it's like, oh, okay, I get that. But how do you prove this? What yeah. lengths are you going to go to to prove that you're going to physically remove someone from the country? And like I said, I, I like Marjorie Taylor Greene on a lot of stuff, and I like Matt Gates on a lot of stuff. But then you get you you throw out
1: the China word, and they're, they're fucking neocons. That that's a hardcore red scare. Like mm-hmm. it's 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 funny. Yeah, like I think about when when people are talking about tariffs on China, I think of it as like a war on Happy Meal toys. But the, it's really like twisted to talk about what are we going to do? We're going to pull Chinese nationals, anybody who's got what a green card, but you're not a citizen. We're going to pull them into a room uh, and have, uh, you know, detention without due process and interrogate them and put them in, whether they like Jan six protesters and, and we're just going to hold on to them till we, till they prove somehow we make them disavow the CCP. And then that's not enough. Like, I don't even understand what that process would be.
2: Right. And, and like I said, it's just like you said, how do you prove this? And you see all sorts of people, um, somebody that I see relatively frequently is legitimately concerned with there being Chinese spies inside of colleges. Um, I don't know if you guys know who Elijah Schaefer is, who is who yeah. slightly offensive. He is always tweeting out, oh, I hate Chinese people. Um, China's the number one enemy. I mean, this is like a frequent threat and people eat this shit up. Like I said, this looks a lot like the early 2000s where we're capturing people who are suspected to be involved with 9-11 because they're they're of Arabic descent and then keeping them in indefinite detention for extended periods of time. I don't think that is that far off from what we're pushing now. And people may call me woke or say I'm crazy for thinking shit like this, but that kind of rhetoric definitely complements that kind of situation.
1: I bet there are Chinese spies here, and I bet that there's not as many as we have spies over in all other parts of the country, like that, or the world, like that's, we have this thing called the CIA, you know, like we have these intelligence agencies that do that exact thing, and, and it's okay when we do it, but, um, if China sends a spy in or someone to influence our education system, whatever, this is, this is like insanity, I don't even know how to break this down. Yeah.
0: Reed. Oh, no, go, ahead. God. go ahead read yeah well
3: i mean i think the biggest enemies that we have are israel and saudi arabia aside from our own government and they're the ones that control you know through blackmail and through business deals and everything like they're the ones who have the biggest uh, sway on our elected officials and neither party talks about either of them um, and obviously the bigger threat than either those countries is our own state department and our own military and everything <laughs> that could be weaponized against us. So I don't know, I, all the fear mongering about China or Russia or Cuba or Venezuela or Iran or whatever, it's all ridiculous. Like all, all
0: of the threats are internal or the guys we support the most. Or yeah. percent, and And that's the other side of that coin is, you know, I, I know I, maybe I need to beat up on Marco just a second because he, he, he like, I really think he's like this small child, you know, that, that is kind of like, hey, my dad can beat up your dad kind of thing. And just because he perceives he has the bigger stick, then he can talk loose and tough with like, you know, people's lives. And I'm, we're talking like literally billions of people's lives. So, you know. Little Marco. <laughs> is that what he called him? <laughs>
1: I think so. so
0: yeah. terrible. Um, and then the other side of that is you know marjorie taylor green is like i'd be you know a billion times tougher a quadrillion one hundred thousand. you know how your your kids will talk well my kids talk like that and when they talk yeah. about astronomically large numbers like i would be a billion times a hundred thousand more times more tough than trump was on tariffs and you're like hey maybe instead of like you know trying to out-tariff people, which, you know, is obviously a terrible idea because the, the consumer pays the tax at the end of the day, is maybe get out of our lives. Let manufacturing and entrepreneurship and everything that we do here in the United States compete. It's not that there's just like this, you know, tiny amount of the pie, Marjorie Taylor Greene. There is a pie that we can grow, and that starts here. Like, if, if, we, were, if we were doing everything that we could – in in freedom, in Libertyville, instead of, you know, blaming, you know, competition on the the lack of more taxes, which is the most asinine idea ever. It's like, man, we blow most of the people out of the water with competition and work ethic and not, you know, some silly minimum wage or, you know, what? Just get out of our way if you want to crush China, but they won't relinquish the power long enough to do that.
2: Right, and I've... Um, read an article and i'll see if i can link it below but um the tariffs actually fell 94 percent on american consumers and, and this has been verified time and time again and i heard from a talk once that we only get about three percent of our steel from china and that was mostly what the tariff was on and it, it's so ridiculous to think that yes you can tariff yourself into prosperity like what and marjorie even said in a tweet before that um China's economy is a fake, weak, I can't remember exactly what she said, but um, she basically called it a fake, weak, phony economy or something like that. It's like, okay, well, are they the biggest threat or are they a phony economy? Because if you look, it doesn't take much digging beneath the surface to realize, holy shit, China's a house of cards and they're in a worse situation than us. And the, the only threat that they are to us is the amount that we prop them up and provoke them which we're doing a lot to provoke them right now under a democrat rule who supposedly isn't tough enough on china well once again w- what happened with trump you kept saying he was a russian asset he's a russian asset he's not tough enough on russia and then he pulls out of the inf treaties and then starts arming the shit out of ukraine after we committed a uh, coup there well what's gonna happen with biden you keep saying beijing biden beijing biden what's he do once again sends Nancy Pelosi over there, and nobody said a word about this. Not even the MAGA Republicans really said that much about it. They basically, even, I hate to say this, but Thomas Massey even came out in support of it for Mm -hmm. Pelosi's trip to Taiwan. So it's like, it's on us to to kind of bring this issue to the forefront. Like, hey, you guys don't want that fucking smoke. Like, a nuclear war is not something you come back from. But it's insanity to me.
1: The juice is not worth the squeeze. I mean, on the one hand, Nancy Pelosi, you know, scumbag vampire, go where you want, you know, from from a libertarian perspective, go do what you want. From a common sense perspective, like think about the repercussions of your actions. You know, maybe you can go some other time. Maybe you could try, I don't know, picking up the phone and engaging in diplomacy before you do something like that. Cause that's not actually something that's off the table. You could, you could try to work it out before you make a trip.
3: Yeah. I mean, if China had shot her out of the sky, I would say that we just like phone them and say, okay, we'll just call it even. We won't retaliate (laughs) over that one. We'll just let you take one.
2: (laughs) Yeah. We'll
1: just, you know, everybody's going to take one for the team. You remember
2: that incident back in the early two thousands where we crashed planes. We'll, We'll just chalk this one up to even.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and seriously, the, the worst timeline ever is where Nancy Pelosi is a patsy that gets us into World War III with China.
1: Oh, that would be the worst timeline. Oh, God. So do, you, do, you, do you guys think, can can good Republicans take over the GOP?
2: <laughs> uh, you know what? So I want to throw my thoughts out here on this because I asked the uh, last roundtable I did with this. Shane's uh, being mean. <laughs> <laughs> uh
1: you're mean. You're <laughs> mean man. Shame. You're, you're
2: funny. Um, you look at a race like Anthony Sabatini, right? A guy who we share a lot in common with. Although I will throw some shit his way for saying we should execute foreign leaders, and um, being a China hawk. Um, yeah, I, I think you probably shouldn't say publicly that you would execute a foreign leader. Like that's <laughs> that's kind of a line you don't cross. Um. He pretty lost base his ra- though <laughs> it, it, it kind of is impressive but um yeah it is so,
3: really stupid though <laughs> yeah. yeah
2: so you have someone like him who is a rothbardian libertarian that lost his race to fucking cory mills who says yemen is a proxy war with iran right um a swamp creature through and through um then you have somebody oh,
1: man he, he, every he time
2: A swamp
1: swamp creature through and through.
2: Yeah, swamp, of course. Um, So you have Corey Mills who got elected over Anthony Sabatini. You have Ian Smith in New Jersey who defied the lockdowns and should be considered a national hero for his actions throughout 2020. He lost his race and the GOP did not support him at all. Um, Eric Brakey, who was on the last panel, um, same deal. They came in and then dumped a whole bunch of money in his opponent's campaign. Um, people that i sincerely like lose all the time in the gop so if we're supposed to believe that this is fertile ground for libertarian ideas why do we keep getting fucking neocons and swamp monsters that beat out over people who are libertarians and to shane's you know to throw it back to shane um somebody who ran and is very wise on the constitution and who is a libertarian and a veteran lost like once again if this is supposed to be a fertile ground for libertarians why does it just never seem to pan out that way oh and then just one more thing before we i throw it over to shane um thomas massey got told he should be thrown out of the gop for opposing bailouts 2020 covid spending from donald trump himself and people just like completely ignore it so say oh thomas massey's greatest republican who ever lived but he opposed bailouts so he should be thrown out of the gop like i i just can't square that circle
0: I mean Angela and Reed, please go first because I have
1: Okay. <laughs> I, so so I, quick quick question. Did did a libertarian spoil uh Sabatini's race? No. Oh, okay. Good to know. I don't okay. think. Just just getting that out of the way. Just getting it out of the way. Okay.
3: <laughs> um, yeah, like I, I think we should be the spoilers, actually. Like, I think that's our best role is like, uh, you know, I, I think when Shane caused trouble last election and made national news over it and actually drew attention to us, like, I think that was one of the, I, I think that was the most consequential race. Like, even though Rainwater and uh, Ricky Harrington got like 30% of the vote, no one really heard about it. The only thing we heard about was, whoa, what's going on down in Georgia? You know, there's this crazy reelection taking place. So I think that's like our most causing problems for the other two and drawing attention and throw in the races, I think is the biggest thing we can do. But yeah, I don't think the Republicans are going to get taken over by good Republicans. I mean, there's like three good Republicans, you know, um, and they have their faults that are pretty big too. Like even those three. So I don't know. I don't think there's any hope.
2: Yeah. I uh, I completely agree. And I think that uh, Shane's campaign was definitely telling when you have Pretty much all the good Republicans and even bad Republicans ringing your phone off the hook to give you a call for you to drop out and endorse somebody else. And
3: everyone needs to go watch Shane Hazel's episode with Rand Paul. That is the most depressing thing as a 2016 (laughs) Rand Paul for president supporter. I can say that is like the most depressing video I've ever watched, but everyone needs to go see it.
2: I I completely agree. And I remember watching that the first time and I didn't think about it at all. I enjoyed it. And then before I had Shane on, he was in my first 20 guests and I watched it again and I completely agree that is the most depressing Um, what was it? Half hour of Rand Paul. Yeah. It was the most upsetting half hour for Rand Paul I've ever seen in my entire life. And um, if I were his father, I would have put him over my lap. Oh,
1: that's that's so sad. That's so
0: sad. (sighs) Nothing like the guy in in the seat doing it too, because boy, you know, like, I don't know what I thought. You know, I didn't know, like, I I didn't, I didn't know that was going to happen. I thought, you know, maybe something better would come of the the talk, but it was it was thirty minutes of just oh god, you got like give me something, man, give me one libertarian thing, give me or, or just freedom esque, like I mean just ish, like close, right? yeah, right. Um, I told the Republican Party in twenty eighteen when they you know got together in back rooms and did the dirty and made sure that stuff you know was was really um you know uh, just as, as as bad as politics can be. Like I'm gonna bring you to your knees and i'm not just going to destroy the party like in georgia i am going to do everything that i can to expose you guys who you are and you'll fall underneath your own weight oh man to take you know one of quote unquote the the republicans best you know in terms of senators um that's a fun story but like there's there was other you know behind the scenes things as well right where I, I did, you know, get a call from Mike Lee during that same time frame, and he's like, Oh, Hey, I'm Mike Lee. And I, I was, he said, I'm a Senator from Utah. And I was like, I know who you are, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what can I help you with? Right. And he starts asking <sighs> the election down here and he's like, well, they've asked me to come down and campaign for David Perdue. I was like, Mike, do you know? And I just kind of filled him in, in the backstory I said, don't come down here, man. Like, I really, I appreciate a lot of the things you do up there. I will, like, I'm I'm going to come after anybody and everybody, and then maybe go watch Rand, and he never came, right? Like, Mike Lee never came down. That was about it from Rand, and that was the uncoupling of, you know, the state in Georgia. Like, the Republican Party in Georgia is a mess, and I don't know if you guys understand. Like, the Republican GOP down here isn't MAGA isn't you know isn't trump isn't um you know isn't in with the broader gop even right like there is something really really weird going on down here right now and these guys can't seem to get it together and it spells absolute disaster in the same thing that we did in 2020 you know unless you know there is some no kidding things that are going to come out about this last or the the last federal election in 2020 down here before the 2022 election. And it may do some very, very serious things to the Republicans uh, down here where they may not even have a candidate. So to be able to be, you know, that those people that go in and really cause havoc and, and you're not doing anything illegal. You're just showing everybody what their choices are and really what's going on in the compromise they made, you know, like behind closed doors, I know at least out here in a lot of the the districts um, the GOP is as well an oil machine as the federal level. And they all work very closely in unison so that if anybody pops up, say during a primary, you're going to get squash if you're a good person. Right. And then I don't think um, you know, with, you know, Technology being what it is, social media having a history, and all those kind of things, I I don't know that there's somebody out there that's going to be able to circumvent that machine until it falls apart. You're gonna have to blow it up, like, in, in 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 the most peaceful way possible by exposing it under its own weight. That's
1: are you are you saying you're saying there's bad people in establishment politics? What a freaking like. I, I don't know I don't know she. Well,
0: skeptical. That's skeptical. The, like it's it's the entire apparatus of the GOP, and anybody that yeah. isn't doesn't matter.
1: That's it. so. This is an interesting thing. Like I absolutely love what Thomas Massey does. Um, I loved most of what Justin Amash did. I love a lot, not all, of what Mike Lee does. There's a there's a handful of good people who I will say are, are genuinely good people. And I think that they help to wake people up. I think that they sometimes shift the Overton window. I do not see them often get their awesome libertarian bills passed. Um, I don't, I'm not saying never, but they're like three, four people out of what? Over, well, 435 people in the the House of Representatives and a hundred of them in the Senate, it's... You know, I I get the arguments that, oh, the Libertarian Party, you guys are a joke, whatever. To be fair, we've been in startup mode for 50 years. I am being um, an aggressive asshole about cutting out a lot of the the bullshit and child's play, but we have to adopt a long-term strategy. When I look at the GOP at the federal level, I don't see a lot of differences when it comes to the Liberty GOP. I'm like, there's literally just a handful of you that are good. And, you know, I look and I'm like, what we, we've got like maybe three people in state assembly right now across the country. We do have someone in Maine, obviously we've got, um, Burt Marshall. So I don't, I hear the arguments they make, but when, you know, when Shane's talking about how gross some of these people are in Georgia and good grief, some of the scandals with some of these other people and, you know, being lockstep with Nancy Pelosi and, people talking about how january 6 protesters should go to gitmo i just i'm like what are we doing Calling them
2: terrorists tankers. yeah
1: why are we why are we being like but we can still fix it
2: yeah it's uh, the argument generally seems to be that we just haven't gop'd hard enough and i just okay,
1: <laughs> okay. i, I mean like it. maybe you know probably not but I look at the state level, the state level is way less gross, but the reality is that at the state level, there are still a lot of things we don't agree on. We do not agree on drug policy. We do not agree on welfare. And when I say welfare, I don't just mean being on the dole and the way we think about it. But I mean, there's different types of social security. I think Kevin Kiley is one of the best guys that we've got in the state legislature in California. He also you know, worked really hard to get a bill for like, you know, a a disabled adult welfare to like last forever, even after people got married. It's just like, there's a lot of spending stuff. We don't agree on immigration stuff. And the LP is not a monolith. We're not all open borders. Some, some people just want immigration reform, but some of the state assembly people are like hardcore closed borders. And they're like, welcome ice, bring ice in. No, like, I don't want that. There's just, there's a ton of stuff that we don't, agree on. And so taking it over at the state level, when I look at a lot of the other Liberty Republicans, I'm like, even you and I don't see eye to eye on this stuff. Like, I don't, you know, reforming cannabis, fantastic. But if you're making that trade to crack down and throw other people in prison for victimless crimes and stuff, supporting the police, trying to improve the police budget, what am I supposed to do with it?
2: Well, it seems like there's almost a resurgence of like hardline drug um, people in the Republican Party because DeSantis isn't very pro-drug. Even Marjorie Taylor Greene isn't very pro-drug legalization. Um, No. I I think we're starting to see the result of, you know, 20 years of the left calling everybody racist, misogynist. And I think we've all probably had a conversation about this at one point, but literally this, we're getting back to this hard right swing culturally yeah. and uh, kind of to the larger point that we've been painting the entire time. I don't think anybody realizes what the early 2000s were like and what the culture was like back then. And that now it's going to be a lot worse, except for the stakes are a lot higher and the debt's a lot higher and they're going to need that much more of an asshole to try and rein things in.
1: It seems like MAGA is a Trojan horse for neocon bullshit. That's what it seems like to be.
3: Yeah, I think um, there's a lot of similarities between the United States now and the Weimar Republic. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, you have rampant inflation, lots of people out of work. um, You know, uh, society and culture are on a steep downward plummet, um, and that doesn't... Lead to good things because people embrace somebody who tells them that things are going to be okay and that he's going to fix them, even if you have to like ignore some other crazy shit he's going to do or whatever. Like historically, that's not been good, but that's what people embrace when there's chaos. Um, so I think, you know, I uh, I've, I actually I've been in the Mises Caucus like a, a year and a half now. Because I used to kind of agree more with the strategy of the articles of unity people that we need to find like two people who just agree on like four important things and get them in there to try to change things. And I've been convinced that's not the way to do it. The way to do it is uh, because if they get in there, they're not going to be able to do anything anyway, probably The, the way to do it is to be like a hardcore messenger and you know really change the conversation out there and i think that's what the libertarian party's got to do i don't really think we can win that much you know we can win small races here and there but we can really like push the overton window and change the conversation and you know change the three by five card of acceptable uh or allowable opinion
2: yeah well that was kind of why i went hard on uh some people that some people may like a little bit but um I felt like it was necessary to remind everybody that, uh, the people who may platform us occasionally, um, although they may say they miss mean tweets when they're actual mean tweets, and then all of a sudden they're willing to throw, um, good people under the bus. I, I just lose a little bit of respect when there's, um, Well, like I said, it seems like they kind of pat us on the back and tell us good boy over here and there. But then when it comes down to brass tacks, they're willing to chop, you know, throw us to the chopping block in order to have Rick Santorum and uh, Corey Mills on their show over and over again. So that's. Yeah, dude. What's going on, guys? Um, We're going to take a quick break from the show to tell you about the show sponsors and the way that you can support me and this podcast. Um, I'm sponsored by Axe and Sledge won't we'll really focus in here, but, uh, right here in my hand, I have their, um, the grind, which is essential amino acids and hydration. Um, feel free to check it out. Um, this is your mom's sweet peach. They have some awesome flavors and awesome names. They also have multivitamins, fat burners, creatine, beta, beta alanine, um, all sorts of different supplements to help you get all jacked and tan and help you become a m- person more full of uh, liberty and health as this show is about. So um if you want to support me and support this podcast then feel free to go to axonsledge.com and check out um all their great supplements there and use code matovic10 that's m a t o v c i k 10 at checkout for a little discount and to let them know I sent you their way. All right everybody, thanks. Now back on to the show.
3: Li- Libertarian Party in New Hampshire, I know like we've been in hot water for some shit we've said, but Uh, Jesse Kelly and um, what's his name? Uh, Jack Posobiec loved us like a few months ago for all the mean stuff we'd say until, you know, we start saying, hey, why do you suck on this? And why are you so bad on this? Like with Jack Posobiec, we went after him uh, for I forget what it was something about Trump. Like he was saying, like Trump is truly a nationalist who just cares. About America first, look at this speech you made. And we said something along this line like, yeah, great speech. But, you know, on a good day, it was America fourth, Um, (laughs) you know, and he got really angry at us. Jesse Kelly blocked us because um, and he had retweeted us before and we had like we had agreed with him on stuff he'd said about the FBI, but he was really hardcore railing against the FBI a couple months ago saying we need to smash it into a million pieces and never put it back together again. And then he sort of backed off and said, well, you know, actually we need some reform. And we were like, come on, Jesse. Like, what do you mean reform? Like you were right before. And then Elon Musk made a tweet or yeah, I think it was Elon Musk made a tweet saying we need a kinder GOP that stays out of people's bedrooms and this was unacceptable to Jesse. So he quote tweeted it saying, like, we've already had a kind GOP. It's time for a mean one. So we went after him like, OK, dude, if you want a mean GOP, you better mean that you want to abolish the FBI. And if you're concerned about bedrooms, how about Epstein's clients list of bedrooms that the FBI memory hold and, you know, pretended they didn't know anything about and he blocked us. So this is what happens like when you're really I mean, they'll, like, pretend to be your friend, and they'll let you say stuff and retweet you occasionally or let you on their show or whatever. But at the end of the day, like, you know who your friends are, you know, because yeah. when the midterms come around or it's time to vote, like Shane said, like, they'll be good until it's time to do something, and then they'll just, like, kick you.
2: we were Yeah, <laughs> and uh, let it be known that also jo- Jesse Kelly said we should have a military that's ready to sit on the throne of Chinese skulls. Like, that... <laughs> If that's not some hawkish talk, I do not know what is. Um, I guess to kind of throw it back to you guys then, um, Reed kind of laid out a pretty good action plan for what I think is uh, necessary. And I didn't necessarily agree with it initially, but you really can't argue with the results of the um, LPNH over the last couple of years. And like I said, at first I was like, oh, there's no way they should be saying this kind of shit. But then when you see the engagement and the meltdown of the people that we hate and unfortunately, some people that we like, but I think we should kind of keep a close eye on. Um, I think there's something to be said for that.
3: I think, um, remember last year, LPNH made a tweet about child labor and it like blew up the internet and people came out of the woodwork to condemn them and say like, they're the most evil people on planet Earth. Yeah. If they made that same tweet today, it wouldn't even like register. It would just be like, yeah, whatever. So that was like a 10- a year ago and now it would be a four probably or a five
1: the comments so- the comments though on that when it was covered in your local media were overwhelmingly positive yeah wow. they were they were people saying no 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 when i had a job as a kid it was good you know they, people weren't talking about coal mines and slave labor they were talking about paper routes and little part-time jobs that used to be normal for children to have that landed really well i thought
2: yeah, well, and this was something that I had to learn, I think, from Reed and from Justin when I talked to them is that the culture area by area is going to be a little bit different. And what may land well in New Hampshire may not land well in Pennsylvania. What may not, what may land well in Pennsylvania may not land well in Georgia. Um, so it, it's, it's definitely something that I think needs to be tempered to the uh, room.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, but it's the internet, so you know, the whole I mean, the whole world is your room. <laughs> your room,
0: now, right? <laughs> so.
1: You can't please everyone. It's one of the frustrating things about being a human being.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, and the thing is, is New Hampshire's. I mean, that's earned media, right? Like, in in a place where you are like strategically blacked out of everything politically. You, I mean, when when you're a libertarian or liberty, even liberty-minded, you're ignored. You're blacked out. You are. Uh, given extra hurdles and all these other things on top of, like, the you're not going to get the polls, you're not going to get debates, you're not going to get, you know... If you are a libertarian and you are earning media and they are talking about you, oh, you've done something, right? And that's the thing is, if you've done something in truth and in principle on top of that, and you've made people talk and have discussions and somewhere somebody's light goes on, like when you say things like, democracy is gang rape. And somebody goes, you're, you're wildly off base. And you're like, Hey, those two guys over there are going to rape that girl. That's democracy. Those two guys voted two to two to one or yeah, two to one. And you're like, Hey man, but what you've done is you've, you've made this impact and man, I'll tell you what, I wish there was a lot more libertarians using those 12 pound brains that they have to go out there and take a situation, Smartly that you've learned over time and craft that and just inject it and see what happens in terms of conversation. There may be some people that don't like you. That's okay. Everybody has the right to be offended, right? And so and I, I think if you can do that, I, I I'm with Reed. Like, I don't think they're gonna let us win elections. I don't think they're going to let us into their media work. I don't think they're going to to, to pull back at all. They're going to hammer you not with like 20 ounce gloves. They are going to throw on these brass knuckles and they are going to beat you to submission. If you let them now, if you get back up and you start hitting, that is a completely different strategy than what has we've wanted to be liked it's like wanting to like your you abusive spouse for god's sake so if you can hit back and hit square and hit hard from a place of truth man you've got the you've got this world right now local state even international i mean all the way up to where things are landing and people will talk about you and you will win people at least to a conversation and if you can have conversations you can win conversations so at the end of the day be the irate minority go out and do whatever the hell you can to to scale back and the thing is is don't let anybody else tell you oh you got to go do it as a republican you know get lost man like if you want to try that cool go ahead go do it with your platform grow platform grow message go grow an audience and go take them with you and storm the castle i'm all for you but like go from the
3: castle not the capital don't
1: misunderstand
3: <laughs> i mean you get in
0: trouble.
1: yes yes castle castle <laughs>
2: yeah. nice uh, so uh angela i guess i um what would kind of be your vision going for then because i think reed and shane both laid theirs out beautifully
1: you mean for the libertarian party sure so i'm very focused on winning local elections i run the national party um We have seen the kind of electoral success that we've had over the past 50 years by doing what we've been doing over and over again with small variations. And I don't believe that's effective. And I think we got to take it on the chin and we got to learn from our losses. Uh, I think that local elections are key. If you want to be serious, you've got to stack some political capital, winning ballot initiatives and trying to go after legislative reform. Uh, I'm also I'm very interested in adopting. Basically, like insurgency tactics, uh, politically, uh, Shane and I have chatted about this a little bit. Uh, I think that that's one of the best ways that you can disrupt establishment local politics. Uh, and sometimes that does that means you do not have room to have loyalty to the GOP. It means <clears throat> like you just you don't have room for it. You can't you can't always trade favors with people. It's got to be grassroots. It's got to be grassroots. And we have an absolute, like an excellent opportunity. The political climate is really ripe for that. That's really what I'm interested in. I, uh, I'm not personally as interested in spoiler races. We're not a monolith. Everybody's gonna have a different strategy. What I'm really interested in is becoming the minor party in areas where the GOP or the Dems have just totally abandoned it and given up. States like Hawaii, Wyoming, Vermont, uh, at a smaller level in LA County, I will tell you that the the GOP is a joke. It's it's an absolute joke. They have meetings. They're no different than the the LP. They are a social club, Um, uh, which is, you know, that's what everybody accuses us of. So I love to point out like, oh, look, the second largest city in the country, same shit, same shit. So we are ripe to become a minor party in those areas and really force change that way uh, because, and I know that this is probably something Eric Brakey agrees with me on, that it is the minority who can move the needle. So you just have to be strategic about where you become that minority. And in the meantime, we need people to throw bombs on social media, mm-hmm. metaphorical bombs, and uh, and mess things up, you know? Like you, you need to shake people out of their comfort zone sometimes. It's gotta happen. And you need to egg on the GOP when they say that they want to abolish the FBI and you need to remind them of that shit when a month or two later they kind of cool down and they're like, oh, was just being emotional. I was on my period, you know, I'm like, well, you know. Stay on your period. Yeah, Yeah. stay on your period. I hope you have the worst PMS for the rest of your political life. Like you should be pissed off at these agencies. So that's kind of my, that's my vision.
2: Nice. Well, I completely agree. Um, do you guys have anything else to add, though, what you just said or anything else? Or do you want to move into the last few questions and we'll uh, wrap it up?
3: Sure. I've got a semi-controversial statement, maybe. Um, and I know a lot of people disagree with this. Uh, I like, I love Ron Paul. Nothing but respect for him. Met him three times. Had him on my show once. I, I think he did amazing stuff for the Liberty Movement. I don't think we should idolize him and because I don't think Ron Paul is the future. I think like, a I think like a mix of Trump and Ron Paul is the future. Like, I mean, in this day and age, after Donald Trump has become president and you've had January 6th and you've had lockdowns and you've had everything we've had over the last couple of years, I think Ron is kind of old fashioned, you know? And, um, I think, I don't know, like, I think Ron, was more principled than Justin Amash a little bit, but not a lot. You know, Justin Amash is pretty good. And I think we've created this, like, godlike image of Ron in our minds so that even when we see Justin Amash, who's almost the exact same thing, like 98% or something, we just, like, think he kind of sucks. And I think we're kidding ourselves that we're going to have, like, another – ron paul movement with a ron paul figure and that's why like i'm excited for dave if he runs because i think dave is going to be like a little bit more aggressive than ron was and you know kind of punch at a different angle but it might be a controversial controversial statement but i just think like the you know like we we've kind of emulate we've tried to emulate ron paul in every way and i don't think that that's necessarily going to be what punches us through the uh the surface so it's my controversial statement
2: i think what i picked up from your statement there would essentially be that the time for being nice has passed and ron paul and i'm not saying this in a derogatory way but he was just kind of a nice you know the the Mm -hmm. old southern country doctor who birthed a bunch of babies and was great on everything but um you know in 2022 it may not be the time for someone like that to that person just doesn't have the same appeal that they had 2008 or 2012 after, you know, the reign of Donald Trump. And now you have a walking corpse in the White House. You have people like Ron DeSantis that have the appeal because they're not afraid to punch.
0: Right. Yeah, and I would love to kind of echo this um, from a, a, a prior, you know, you know, service. You're in a war. And I don't think people realize how much war is done before you go kinetic, right? Like there's, there's so much in terms of economic and, 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 you know, philosophical or psychological um, warfare that happens. And I don't think people realize just how far down the road we are to that right now. When, when you are at war, you don't pull punches, especially when you're punching from a righteous position. You hit these people with absolutely everything you can while trying to stay within you know what we consider the non-aggression principle, right? Is like we can we can sit here and shame these people and ridicule them, and that's really you know a, a place of example for a people who want to be more of a free market people anyway, right? Is like if you want to stop something in a free market, what you have at your disposal is ridicule from a righteous position and righteous principle, and that's where I think our greatest strength is. Yeah, I agreed with you, Reed, one hundred percent is. If you're gonna go out there and play as nice as Ron, um, you know I think you're gonna get absolutely hammered because the nice guy is not gonna win that fight. The, the nasty, brutish, really tough that person that understands that they need to be fighting now and have contingency for when Plan A goes south. Like this, that's where you have to be in this mindset in this space right now, so that you can go out and and absolutely conquer these guys with uh, public opinion.
2: Yeah, you know, I, I completely agree. And I think, I like that you brought up Justin Amash because that's a perfect example of somebody who, like Reed said, is almost identical to Ron Paul. And look, yep. it, people hate him. I I don't, yeah. I, I kinda, Which is I, dumb, by
3: the way. I don't no, hate Justin I Amash. No. I, I
0: I like, I like him. But.
2: Yeah, I think Justin's absolutely fantastic. And I think people He's
0: shit on him. Right, and that's the thing. is like, he was a Republican. He's a new libertarian. And Larry Sharp tuned me into this when I went after him for the AUMF. Like Justin's a good guy, but he's in, he's a new libertarian. So he's mm-hmm. barely that far off of being a Republican and way away from being, you know, the anarchist that I think most of us are is volunteerists. You know, it's like we gotta, we gotta help people, you know, here's another book, here's whatever, have those com- those difficult conversations.
2: Nice. Okay. So Angela, I want your opinion on uh, that whole spiel.
1: Bunch of things I'm not going to say on this podcast. Um, I, I want to be like Ron Paul. I want to be like that. I, I would strive to be a better person. And that, that is the standard. It's, it's a near impossible standard. The man is not Jesus. He's one step down. Um, really tough to, to emulate. I would like to be like that. Um, I think that a lot of our other elected libertarians and formerly elected libertarians would do themselves a favor if they could adopt Ron Paul's humility. Um, be fiery, be aggressive. Sometimes Ron was like that. He certainly was on the debate stage with his Giuliani moment, but uh, adopt adopt your fiery disposition. Grope, you know, have a pair, please. Um, if I can do it, so can you, man up. But, uh, but get some humility because because most of our elected libertarians they're not as good as Ron Paul and it's okay to admit that, you know, maybe check yourself a little bit. All
2: right. Um, do you guys have any other uh, closing thoughts before I ask like the last two questions?
1: <sighs> um, let's not give the GOP a second chance.
2: <laughs> nice. Uh, so uh, I'll throw this one to Shane and Reed because I, I think I asked Angela this last time. Uh, Shane, what would it take for you to change your mind and work with the GOP? By the way, I, I love your dog. I see him running around in the background.
0: <laughs> Telling me, hey man, it's been an hour plus. I need to get outside. <laughs> For me to change my mind and work with the GOP, man, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't trust it. I don't. Yeah, I, I've been there, and you know, like that's the thing is, you know, once once you've been there, <laughs> what's George Bush say? <laughs> you know, fool me once, can't fool me twice. You know, and you know, it's like, no, I don't think. I <laughs> – now I'm good. I can't pronounce nucle- nuclear? He says nuclear? No, man, I'm, I'm out. Like I don't think there's anything they can do to Thank bring it Thank you.
1: That. I'm very <laughs> triggered by that mispronunciation. That really bothers me. It really does.
2: Uh, Reed, what would it take to turn you into a full-blown paleo-libertarian?
3: Well, like I said, I'm voting in the Republican primary on Tuesday, so I'm not, like, against the idea of voting Republican. Yeah. Um, but um yeah i mean i don't like i don't like the republican establishment i mean there are a lot of this is really what it comes down to there are a lot of good republicans elected in the state of new hampshire but i don't know if you saw the republican party of new hampshire's response to our megan mccain tweet it was like everyone i saw angela made a good response to them like regardless of whether you're not you like this tweet we're not going to say mccain was a hero or whatever but the republican party was saying like Regardless of what party you're in, all of us admit John McCain was a hero who's deserving of our praise, blah, 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 blah. Like that's the GOP establishment. Um, So I don't know. I think it really depends on like where you are, you know, uh, what I mean, in New Hampshire, it makes more sense to run in the Republican Party if you want to get elected. Um, And the Libertarian Party in New Hampshire is really about like kind of shaming the Republican Party into being better. There's some people who are both they're like in the Libertarian party and the Republican party. And then there's some people who are independents, whatever, but, uh, I don't think, I don't think anyone in New Hampshire is just a libertarian. Um, but, um, yeah, as far as the national party goes, like, I can't see anyone remotely good, uh, getting in there and messaging what we would want. So to me, the, the Libertarian party on a national scale is really important, for the presidential election just to draw attention to these issues. Um, And, you know, that's why I think it's important to have someone in there who's aggressive and uh, who also, I, I, by the way, I agree with what Angela said about being humble and, um, you know, listening to other people and everything. Uh, But I just think we got to be really aggressive and outspoken too, and like gain attention and stuff like that. So I, uh, yeah, for, I, I think the libertarian party is really important on both scales, but especially a national scale, because you're never going to get anybody good in the GOP.
2: Nice. All right, uh, Shane, where can everybody find you, brother?
0: Uh, shaneadle.com, radicalpod.com. Uh, thank you guys for for all doing this, Kyle. Thanks for having me on again, man. Uh, Reed and, and Angela, great to see you guys too. And I, I, I love hanging out like this. It's a good time. I appreciate it. Yeah, well, for
2: sure. We'll definitely do it again. Angela.
1: Uh, you can find me on Twitter at angela for lnc chair and uh patreon.com forward slash angela mcardle. Read the libertarian party at yeah. lp.org.
2: <laughs> Read, where have you not been kicked off of? I've I only heard.
3: been kicked off of Twitter, actually. Like, I know that I have this persona of getting banned because I'm so crazy, or whatever, but it's only Twitter. <laughs> um, and every subsequent banning after the first account was just for ban evasion so i really haven't been kicked off much um i'm on youtube spotify apple podcasts all that naturalist capitalist is my show just joined rumble yesterday uh and i'm synced on youtube so all my videos are over there now so you can go watch me on rumble if you don't like odyssey or youtube um and then yeah i i'm trying to use telegram as a uh an alternative to twitter so if you just look up my channel, it'll be read Coverdale on Telegram. And then I am on Facebook, but I, I've got a thousand followers on my page on Facebook, but I'll get like two or three, uh, you know, reactions when I post something. So I, I'm not even sure it's worth it. Um, and Substack, I'm putting out articles two or three times a week. So check me out there
2: for sure. All right. Well, uh, you know, one more time. Thanks guys for coming on. I really, really enjoyed this. And, uh, As usual, I feel like Donald Trump in this situation. I agree with the last person I spoke with, but uh, this (laughs) one feels like it's stuck a little bit better. So, uh, you know, until next time, everybody, thanks for watching and uh, make sure you like, subscribe and share.